Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to talk to you this morning about flourishing lives. That word flourish has been on my heart since towards the end of last year, but certainly the beginning of this year. There's a few other things that I'll share with you in in due time. But I want to talk to you about lives that flourish. Often at this time of the year, we kind of think very seasonally. We think according to calendar dates, what's God God got in store for us this year? I don't know if you remember, I played it, I I joked around 2020 when it came. I said, 2020 is going to be the year of plenty. I didn't specify that it was going to be plenty of problems. <laughs> Surprise! COVID happened, and that was all just a joke, by the way. And so what I'm, not, what I'm not saying today is that I believe this is going to be a year of flourishing as opposed to any other year or that this is some kind of new season. Because as believers, you and I should live lives that flourish in all seasons and at all times. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that? We see, if we look at the life of Joseph... He was a man who flourished under his, in his father's home. He was a man who flourished in dungeons and prisons. He was a man who flourished under authority. And in every situation, no matter what happened to him, he flourished in that situation. We see the same with Jesus. There is no part of his life that was lacking. Any need that came along, Jesus had the wisdom, the grace, the means to meet those needs, sometimes in supernatural ways. Now, you and I have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the Word of God that is given to us, which contains the very life and power that Jesus walked in and lived by. Do you agree with that? Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15 say this, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And these are strong images. They invoke strong meanings. A palm tree survives most things, and it can survive in some really, really rough places. I have a palm tree in my back garden, and it was getting really, really tall, and I was watching it bend when the southeaster starts to blow, and I started getting a bit concerned, because if it went down in any direction, it would be crushing some form of property. And I went to a number of people to talk about this and ask advice, do I need to worry about this? And the advice that I got was unanimous. And when I say unanimous, I asked at least half a dozen people, and the response was exactly the same. First, a chuckle, (laughs) as if to say, you idiot, you don't need to worry about that. And then the response was, haven't you seen those videos of hurricanes? It's always the palm trees that keep standing. You don't need to worry about anything. So a palm tree is a symbol of strength. As long as it's alive and its root system is good and it's not in sandy soil, don't stress. And the other thing spoken about here is a cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon were renowned for their size, for their height, for their stature. They were renowned as being strong. Even their wood was, was sought after. And the Bible says here that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and like a cedar in Lebanon. Not everybody, the righteous. So what does it mean to be righteous? We understand that to be righteous means to be in right standing with God, not owing Him anything, sort of in accounting terms. When the books are balanced, I don't owe God anything. He doesn't owe me anything. There's no more debts to pay. Everything that was between us that could have been a bone of contention has been dealt with and has been settled. It means also no explanations required. You know, sometimes when you're feeling guilty or there's shame or something has gone wrong, 
You feel you need to explain yourself. You feel misunderstood. Righteousness means that between you and God, there's nothing that still needs to be explained. I am fully convinced of His love for me as a child, and I'm also fully convinced of His forgiveness, that I am in fellowship and intimacy with Him, not through any merit of anything I've done or through anything I've not done. I come into right standing with Him simply through faith in Jesus. And that settles everything. Righteousness also suggests conformity to the revealed will of God. So in other words, if there's nothing between us now, that means that we're thinking the same way. I've embraced his thoughts, made them my own, and I'm walking in them. It means obedience to God's instructions. So in other words, those who have willingly conformed their hearts, minds, thinkings, li- thinking lives, behavior, to the obedience of God's word, live a life that should be the picture of flourishing. He goes on to say, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh, in other words, full of sap and oil, and flourishing. It's the third time that word has come up. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. So in other words, these people have an experience, experience of life that is an overflowing of a flourishing life that comes from God, and they have a testimony of His power at work within them and through them. To flourish means to grow in a healthy and vigorous way. A tree that is stagnant is not flourishing. It may have been there many years, but it's not flourishing. I recently, yesterday in fact, was looking through a book of plants. I've got a section in my garden that I'm wanting to put some new plants into, and the problem is it's a shady area. Not in, in the sense that there's bad things happening there. It just doesn't get much sun. And in reading the book, so many plants, they say it can handle shade, but it won't flourish there. It won't flower much. It won't produce much fruit, and it won't grow vigorously. So to flourish means that there is growth that is evident, that is clear. And so if we're talking about lives that flourish, we're talking about lives that are growing spiritually, that are growing in faith, growing in revelation, growing in power in the experience of kingdom life. But flourishing, even as re- with regards to the example that I just mentioned, is generally as the result of a particular environment. You put a plant in the right environment, it will flourish. You put it in the wrong environment, it will not. It may not even survive. And God has set out an environment in which you and I can flourish at all times and in all seasons. Do you know what that environment is? That environment is the will of God as revealed to you by the Word of God. The environment in which we flourish is the will of God. Why? Because it's God's will for you to flourish in all things. But that will, how do we know what that will is? We know that will according to the Word of God. I love Romans 12, verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world. Uh, In other words, don't look like it, think like it, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind that you may prove. And that's the part of this verse that I really love. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God for you. God desires for you to prove His faithfulness, His goodness, His Word in and for your life. In, an, in, in your situation, in your sphere of influence. You see, I'm sure that you'd agree that God's will for us is to flourish in every season, but our struggle 
is that we so often tend to conform to this world, to the world's way of thinking, to the world's way of even thinking about flourishing. So much of what we think about, even that is crept into the church concerning fruitfulness and flourishing in life, is that we as, as, as people are to chase efficiency, to chase profits, and we bring that mentality into the church and we say that we need to chase fruitfulness. But I want to present you with something slightly different this morning. Let's look at what Psalm 1 says. We're going to read the first three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his, light, and in, in his law he meditates day and night. What does it say he shall be like? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth its fruit in season, its leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does. This is the way the Passion Translation reads in verse 3. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree. We see it there, and this idea needs to be conveyed quite strongly. Not just an existing tree, not a long-standing tree, because many believers are long-standing trees, but they're not flourishing, they're not growing, they're not producing fruit. A flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life, is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Can you say amen? amen? I want you to think of the posture of a tree. A tree, if you think about it, its branches sort of reach out. And what is the posture of a tree? The posture of a tree is simply to receive. A tree postures itself to receive sunlight. If you think of a forest, all the trees are chasing to get to the top first. Why? They get more sunlight up there. They posture to receive water. They, strong, tall trees need lots of water, and they position their roots and their systems to get what they need. They posture themselves to get the insects that they need, the pollinators and all of these things. They also position themselves to be blessed and it, to be blessing to others through, through providing space for nests and animals and creatures to live. About this time last year, my family and I went camping, and our camping spot was on the banks of the Breda River. And I sat there, I, 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 you know, we, our campsite was a little bit away from the, the river itself, and so I took my little chair and my cup of coffee and my Bible and my notebook, and I went, and early one morning I sat beside the river and I looked. And if you look along the river valley, everything is brown. It's the heat of summer, everything's turned brown unless it's a planted field that's being irrigated, or unless it's on the riverbank. You see, if you look down the river, there's trees, and there's lush greenery, and there's trees that are growing tall. And as I looked at one of these trees one day, God began to minister to my heart, and He said, Michael, do you see that tree striving to find people to give its fruit to, to find insects or birds to give a home to? Do you see that tree striving to perform or accomplish anything? I planted that tree right there. All I want that tree to do is to grow and to be what I created that tree to be. 
And as it does so by the banks of the river, as it soaks up the sun, the most natural thing for that tree to do will be to produce fruit. Seeds, fruit, flowers, different kinds of trees produce different things. Now that tree has no control over who comes to visit it. It can't control what bees come. It can't control what animals come, find shade underneath it. All it does is position itself to receive from God. As it receives from God, the natural result is that it produces fruit and things that attract other people, that attract the, poll the, the pollinators, the bees and the wasps and the bugs and the insects, that attract birds to make their nests in it, that attract various things to creep and crawl underneath it and the earthworms to oxygenate the soil around it. You see, a tree is try not trying to be anything to anyone. Yet in being itself, it becomes a blessing to many. It is the product of its environment, and as long as it can drink from the river, it will flourish. Now, why am I saying that? I think so often we, we pursue things, and we go after things to do. And by the way, that's important. We do need to do things. The Bible says we are created for good works, and there's good works waiting for us to do. But those good works need to come out of the overflow of what God is doing within us for them to contain any sort of kingdom life or have any anointing in them. Amen? We're talking about flourishing. Flourishing in the place, in the environment of the will of God as it's revealed to us. Joshua 1 verse 8 says this, This book of the law, God speaking to Joshua, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. You see, again, we have a pattern that is laid out for us, an environment in which God says you will prosper if you position yourself within the will of God as He reveals it to you through His Word. And how is it that God reveals it to us? Through this process of constant meditation, thinking about it, filling our minds with it, filling our thoughts with it. And this, this idea brings me to a question which I think communicates the essence of my message this morning. How can we walk in paths of righteousness if we don't really know what they are? Proverbs 14, 12 says this, and this is a sobering verse. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's a wake-up call. I don't know, when I, when I read that verse, that is, it's a shuddering thought that I can be walking in a way that seems right to me based on the culture that I am in, based on my upbringing, based on any number of, of reasonings but yet it is contrary to God's will and God's word. And its end is destruction. And that's why God says, Paul writes in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to define for you what is good and bad and right and wrong. There is only one place. And, and not just good and bad in general, good and bad, right and wrong for you. Because there are certain things in my life, I, I had to learn very quickly growing up as a son under Pastor Andreas that there were certain things that were good and bad for me that didn't apply to other people. For example, 
We used to have a prayer meeting here on a Saturday morning at 5 o'clock. That means you're needing to leave home at, at 4.30 at the latest to get here. And I'll never forget one morning I slept in. Do you remember that, Dad? And I got a phone call saying, Michael, where are you? And I said, oh, sorry, Pastor. It wasn't Dad back then. It was still Pastor Andreas. Sorry, Pastor Andreas. I've overslept. I'm so sorry. Thinking, ah, I missed the boat. Get up and get your butt over here. Boop, phone's hung up. Boy, did I get out of bed quickly that morning. However, a couple of weeks later, somebody else overslept. Not fair. Not, I don't even need to finish the story because you know where I'm going. There were things in my life in that time and season that were right for me, that I needed to learn. There are things in this time and season that are right for you, that God is wanting to teach you and communicate to you, that will enable you to flourish. You are not called to flourish in the area that I am called to flourish, and I am not called to flourish in the area you are called to flourish. But every one of us is called to flourish, and God has a plan. The mistake we make is that we think we can figure it out for ourselves. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. Judges 21-25, the saddest verse in the whole book, and it comes right at the end. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It was a mess. One of the greatest challenges we face as the church of Jesus Christ today is incompetent ambassadors. What do I mean by that? The, the media today, this week specifically, has been filled, but I, our media filled for, for, for years now, with the subject of incompetence in governance. Incompetent govern, people have been put into governance positions to handle things that they are not able to handle, and therefore they make a mess and the people suffer. There is great squandering and wasting of resources. They're incompetent. And the kingdom of God is full of believers who, yes, they love Jesus, and yes, they are saved. But when it comes to the things of God and living out the calling and destiny that God has created for them, they think they know the truth, they think they're doing a good job, but they actually have so little of the Word of God in them that they're unable to accurately evaluate themselves. And so they go about thinking, oh, because I can quote a few scriptures and I know a few verses, I'm walking in the will of God, I'm, produce, I'm going to be producing fruit, God is happy and pleased. God loves you. God loves me. But he is happy and pleased when we walk in the fullness of his will. That's why it's called the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Hosea 4 verse 6, the first part of the verse says this, My people are destroyed for what? The greatness of power of the enemy? The strength of the devil? No, they're destroyed for one thing. Ignorance. Incompetence. They don't truly know. And I don't just mean knowing something in your head. I'm talking experientially knowing God's faithfulness, knowing God's Word because you've walked through things and you've worked through things and you've encountered God where you are. I am believing for a year for myself and for every one of you, and this is my prayer for you. I'm believing for a year of marvelous encounters, encounters with God that will make you marvel. 
Marvel at his goodness, marvel at his kindness. Now, many of you may have an idea in your mind when I talk about marvelous encounters of either, you know, somebody being prayed for and falling over and they had this encounter with God. You know, there are people who just really need a marvelous encounter with the forgiveness of Jesus because they're still walking in guilt. They're still walking, carrying yesterday's things and it's holding them back. There's people that need a marvelous encounter with the love of God. There's people that need a marvelous encounter with God's provision, with God's wisdom, with God's plan. There's so many facets and avenues of God, with God's kindness. Some people need a marvelous encounter of God's grace because they lack any form of self-control. God knows the encounter that you need. The question I have for you this morning is, are you willing to position yourself in the place that, that where you are susceptible to having those encounters? The place of the will of God as it's being revealed to you by the Word of God. Because our lives will only flourish to the degree that the Word of God flourishes in our hearts. You want to live a flourishing life? That begins with the Word of God being given. Pride of place. As the Word of God flourishes in you, you in turn will flourish. And as you flourish, your environment will flourish. You will produce fruit. Book of 3 John, verses 2 and 3 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I greatly rejoiced when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. Flourishing, prospering. You know, Romans 10, 17 says this, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. To have a flourishing faith means that the Word of God is alive and it is active. Tell me something, based on the verse I've just read, where does faith come from? Say again. Very good. I've got a good mixed reaction and I like that. That's what I wanted. Many people believe that faith comes from the Word of God. It doesn't. Knowledge comes from the Word of God. This verse says that faith comes by hearing. What does it mean? Revelation. It means being able to hear and discern God Himself. But our ability to hear and discern the voice of God Himself is determined by our knowledge of the Word of God. No word, no hearing. Very simple. If we're not spending time in the Word of God regularly, daily, individually and corporately, guess what? You're going to find it very difficult to discern God's voice and therefore very difficult to discern His will and therefore very difficult to position yourself in a place of flourishing. Simple, isn't it? So if we want to position ourselves in the environment in which we can flourish, what are we going to need to do? Well, we need to give ourselves to that process. Why? Because it doesn't happen automatically. Unfortunately, folks, I wish, I wish there was somebody that could just lay hands on us all and all our problems are sorted out, we walk in victory, we walk in strength, but it just doesn't work that way. There's a journey, and it's in the grappling that we deal with ourselves and that God deals with our hearts. It requires intentionality. It requires participation. Say Participation. In other words, no spiritual wallflowers. 
You know what a wallflower is? You have the dance. And there's people and they're dancing and couples are dancing. And then you have those who are sitting on the side, the wallflowers. And they're watching everything happen. And they enjoy the atmosphere, but they're not a part of it. They don't get to experience the joy of the dance. Many believers come to meetings. They watch other people worship like wallflowers. They come or, or they approach the Word of God based on other people's experiences. What does that mean? In other words, the only word they get in is the word that is preached by somebody else. And they watch. And they take in and they watch. But there's no application. There's no participation in the search and in the journey of discovering God in His Word. Mark 4, 24 to 25 says this. This is Jesus speaking. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Remember we talked about hearing, that hearing that comes from the word of God? This is the kind of thing Jesus is referring to. Pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured back to you and you will be given even greater ability to respond, and more will be given to you besides. Incredible. Your measure of hearing, your measure of being able to discern and hear the voice of God is determined by your heart attitude to the Word of God and the time and attention you give. It's important to note that these words of Jesus were spoken just after he had explained the parable of the sower to the disciples. That's Mark chapter 4. The parable of parables. Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand any of them. He says, kingdom of God is like a sower who goes out and scatters seeds. Some fell on the hard ground, some fell on thorny ground, on rocky ground, and on good ground. That which fell on hard ground, the, the ravens came, they ate it up, it produced no fruit. That which fell on stony ground quickly sprung up, but when the heat of the day came, it shriveled up and died. That which fell on thorny ground, it grew but the thorns and the thistles grew with it, and it choked the word, and therefore it produced no fruit. But then there was the seed that fell on good ground, and it produced a harvest, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. What's interesting is the disciples had to ask Jesus, what does this mean? And he had to explain to them that the ground was symbolic of the state of heart. The pathway was those who is hard, hearts are hard, and and hardened and unreceptive to the word. They reject it out of hand. It doesn't even penetrate. Rocky ground is those who show initial interest in the word, but they have stubborn opinions in their heart. And so as soon as the word begins to contradict or confront opinions or values that they hold dear, the word gets tossed out because they are unyielding. The thorny ground, Jesus explained, is, by, is those who are distracted by the things of this world, the cares of this life. They are worried about many other things, and their pursuit is not the will of God. Their pursuit is themselves and what they want to do. And so the Word of God gets choked by all these other pursuits and all these other worries, and it produces nothing. It's only the good soil, the soil that receives the Word, that produces the harvest. Carrying on with Mark, 20, Mark 4, verse 25, Jesus says, Whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. Sobering words. 
Somebody who has a teachable heart is somebody who shows up for, for class. <laughs> Would you agree? Somebody who participates. Do you have a yearning for truth? Do you have a desire to live a flourishing life? You know, if I had started the sermon asking, how many of you want to flourish this year? Everybody would have put their hands up. We all want to flourish. But there's a role we have to play in order for that to come to pass in our lives. Having a yearning for the truth and a desire to flourish go hand in hand in the kingdom of God. You see, folks, when the word of God is allowed to flourish in our hearts, we will find that we begin to flourish in all areas of life naturally. It's not about the striving to do. It's not about the trying to produce or to make happen. When I, like a tree, position myself in places, in times, in moments, in areas where the Word of God can be ministered to me, when my heart remains open and receptive to it, when I become an active participant in the pursuit, I begin to change. And the Word of God begins to produce life within me, which therefore produces life through me. And what is the fruit that we see? Well, the first fruit is we, that we see is personal inward transformation. Our attitudes and perceptions begin to change. Our perceptions of God and our attitude towards Him changes. Our perception of ourselves and our attitude toward ourselves also changes. Because we now see ourselves in the light of God's Word, how He sees us. Our perceptions of other people change. And therefore our attitudes towards them change too. I'm called to love, not to judge. I'm called to cover the multitude of sins and to serve. And so I adopt a different mindset, perspective, and attitude. And as a result, healthy and blessed relationships begin to surround my life. That's just one of the fruit of a... You, you cannot show me somebody who is truly thriving in life, but yet all the relationships around him are broken and battered. I know people who have been very successful in business, have made a lot of money, but they've been divorced twice, three times. They can't hold on to relationships. They have used and abused so many people along the way that they have a bad reputation. That's not flourishing. That's pure selfishness. Somebody who is truly flourishing causes the people around them to flourish. You will find that your level of faith begins to flourish. Your ability to trust God and your ability to walk in obedience to His Word begins to grow. That's one of the fruit. And there is great joy in walking in obedience, even though it's costly. It becomes an act of worship in which we find joy and significance. And finally, our, our kingdom effectiveness as a witness for God and as an accurate, equipped, competent ambassador for Jesus Christ. We begin to shine forth His glory. I want to encourage you this morning as you have a new year ahead of you, as you begin to think and you make your plans and as you put your steps in place, position yourself in an environment where your spiritual ears are taught to hear the voice of God through the study of the Word of God. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. 
For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.